0: hey everyone welcome to happy vibes a podcast that will make you smile we chat weekly over wines to amazing women who empower enrich inspire and create come along with us and enjoy the happy vibes well hello everyone welcome to um, another episode of happy vibes and we appreciate all of you tuning in and taking time out of your day Um, today we are lucky enough to have katie clitheroe join us so she's an author a mum a self-proclaimed filthy mouth um, and an all-around ace <laughs> chick, and we feel really lucky to have her on the show. So welcome, Katie.
1: Hi, nice to, nice to be here again tonight. Yes, you mentioned again. Yes, this is an really interesting <laughs> point that you make, That perhaps <laughs> all our viewers should
0: need to know But perhaps we will fill them all in that this is our second podcast with Katie, because whilst Katie might be an F- at telling tipsy stories on a weekend, it would seem that Julia is not an expert at hosting tipsy (laughs) podcasts. I'm sorry, I didn't mean
1: to (laughs) interrupt
0: you. No, look, this is all about honesty and bringing the happy vibe. So I will tell our viewers um, and our listeners who aren't watching, I'm on my first glass of wine. Um, I may have a second, I'm seeing Katie's on a gin, and um, we're gonna have a beautiful conversation and just show you how two sophisticated women can control themselves um, on a Tuesday evening. Today's episode of Happy Vibes discusses some challenging but important topics that may be confronting to some people. If you're feeling like you need support, reach out to a friend or Lifeline on 13 Tell us about Gypsy Storytime and how, how you came to, I guess, throw that into the social media world. And have you ever had too many drinks to host Gypsy Storytime?
1: Oh, look, I've done some very tipsy um, Insta stories and I've woken up in the morning going, oh, no, should not have done that. But, um, yeah, I think you get to a certain point in the night, then your phone should just be put away. Um, But no, tipsy story time. I just had an idea one day that I I, I came across a story called Brenda's Beaver Needs a Barber and it cracked me up. And I thought (laughs) I would love to, you know, just record just as an off the cuff kind of thing. Um, I thought I'd record it and just post it as a one off mm. and then I started finding all these other stories and, it, and you know we're in lockdown it was just something to entertain wow. myself every week something to look forward to. Um, so it's become a bit of a weekly thing and um, I sort of started running out of um, material that I could find that other people had written mm. so I've been writing my own little stories. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's just pure pure entertainment and indulgence more than anything. I don't know how long it'll go on for, but I'm having fun with it at the moment. Well, look, we're hoping it goes on for a long time. And I must say, your appeal is so... Um I was
0: about to kind of say the word generic, but not in a not in a negative way. Like, I feel like, you know, my, my parents, I've showed my parents some of your stories and they love it. Um, I know Emma, one of my business partners, her husband um, was watching one of them over her shoulder and they were just in absolute hysterics <laughs> kissing themselves. So, we hope that you continue with the story. And perhaps that could even be your next book. Um, you're a self-published author. So, you know. Yes,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I thought, because I'm starting to write a few more of my own, I might do a little, um, a little compilation, publish that, just um, for kicks, really. Yeah, it's almost like a kind of a, a kid's book for adults. I love it.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. So tell us um, Katie's book. And for those of you listening who don't know, so she, um, she wrote and self-published um, Clean Eats for a Filthy Mouth. Um, and that's how I discovered mm-hmm. Katie, through um, an online cooking class through COVID. one of those things that you do to I guess, entertain <laughs> yourself. I had fun um and i guess i'd love to kind of hear how you came up with that idea and what kind of i guess
1: inspired you to create and self-publish a cookbook um yeah well look i mean so the cookbook yeah it's based um off my social media clean eats my filthy mouth and that was um started off as a bit of a blog thing i started doing oh when my eldest was a baby so it's probably been going on for five or six years and that was just posting things to instagram and facebook and all the rest of it and um uh, sometimes they'd, you know, and I and I had a little clunky little website that I would post recipes <laughs> and things to, and um, you know, people started saying, oh, you should you should write a book, you should write a book, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe, and I started sort of pulling together content, and it was something I kept picking up and putting down, and I think um, I was scared of committing to it um, because I was scared of failing, you know, like mm-hmm. I thought, you know, when, when you put something like that out there, and and what if people don't like it, or what if they don't buy it, or what if, you know, mm-hmm. so many what ifs that that can get in your way, mm-hmm. and. Um, oh look I'm friends with a lot of um inspiring and and brave go get a woman and I kept seeing all these other women sort of go and get the things that they wanted to do and I, was, and I and I have to admit I felt a little bit envious and I didn't want to be feeling like that and I didn't want to be like sort of on my deathbed bed and god knows however many years time thinking oh, I really wish I'd done that and so I just got sick of myself and I was like fuck it I'm just going to do it and um I, yes, I wrote the manuscript and and I can't remember the exact number of bucks in it, but I think there's something like 300 (laughs) odd bucks. And I thought, look, I'm going to struggle to get a publisher on board with this. And um, had a chat to a few people and I thought, oh, you know, I'll just self-publish it. And I did. And, um, but I I think I I went in dumb and blind and I had no (laughs) idea what was actually involved in self-publishing a book. And I think that was a good thing though, because if I'd known what was involved and how much work and stress it was going to be, I might've just been scared off. So it was good because I get, I got to a stage and I go, okay, now I have to do that. Oh, and I, then I'd find out something else I need. I need, you know, I need an editor. Right. I need a food stylist. I need a photographer. I need a book designer. I need to figure out how to talk to these printers in China. And I don't understand what they're saying right. in technical terms, as well as a bit of a language barrier. So right. I was shitting my pants the whole way um but yeah it all came together and I'm absolutely delighted that I did it you know and, and in the end I was like even if one person buys it, even if only my friends mm-hmm. and family buy it because they're obliged to I was just so <laughs> delighted that I'd done it yeah and I I love that because I think probably and you know I'm no expert on book
0: publishing but I certainly know kind of a couple of authors and you know if you're lucky enough to have a publisher they do a lot of that stuff for you and so, oh, um, yeah yeah to actually have you know I guess really kind of taken it on by the horns and who have done it all yourself, done it all yourself. Like you're, you're an author who was writing recipes and then suddenly you're a producer and you're yeah, um, yeah having to negotiate commercial deals um, through China. So it's such a huge, a huge accomplishment. And I heard you just then talk about, I guess, failure and envy, um, mm. which are really, I think, very strong strong terms and I'd, I'd love you to explore that a little bit more because do you think perhaps kind of that fear of failure kind of drove some ambition
1: oh yeah absolutely I mean um, I think having a little bit of that fear of failure is a good thing because it's it's like you know when you've got a, a big workload and you're working under pressure I always mm-hmm. find I work better that way because there's there's that little bit of pressure driving you on you want to do the very best mm-hmm. that you can and I find I get a bit slow and sluggish when I don't have much demand on me and mm-hmm. so because I was sort of it wasn't just you know like it cost a shit ton of money to do the book. It cost a lot more than I thought it was going to. But it was the pressure of like, this is my work, this is my thing, this is my face on it, this is mm-hmm. my name on it. And if it's shit, that's me. And so you know, I wanted it to be wanted it to be the best it could. Um, so there was a lot of waking up at three o'clock in the morning, going, oh holy shit, thinking about something I hadn't done, or you know, like messaging my photographer or my book designer at that hour of the morning. They were going, okay, can you just chill out, please? Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. It's, there's a lot of panic throughout the way and um, even until it hit the shores of New Zealand then it got stuck with customs and until (laughs) my poor mother she had to send out all my New Zealand books and she's like bundling up like 600 books until she told me the last one had been sent I didn't pop any champagne until then. (laughs) Oh that's such an awesome story so the whole family was involved. Oh yeah yeah I dragged everyone in made them work for free.
0: Oh, that's, that sounds like how we're doing it too. So let me know. Yeah. So you've got um uh, you've got a husband and kids. Were they on the books? Were they helping you distribution pack?
1: Yeah. So the night that um I was so I sent out all the Australian ones, and the night that the shipment arrived, um, Harry came home, and I, I don't I think since they arrived that afternoon, I hadn't stopped you know bubble wrapping and packing books, and he just like basically walked in, took off his tie, and sat down and started wrapping. <laughs> and I was like, don't stop.
0: Oh, look, I just love this. And I think, um, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit and this tenacity to achieve is quite kind of a common thread. I think that pulls a lot of uh, women together, not just women, but I think in, in our kind of network of friends and in Australia, um, when you've got that kind of thrive to succeed and that entrepreneurial spirit, you do gravitate towards people. And I think as I was yeah. kind of looking into you a little bit, Katie, there's, we've got quite a lot in common and, um, it's interesting, you know. We both got three kids, um, and you know, we both didn't kind of come to our kind of our motherhood journey with with ease. And you know, tell us a little about, bit about kind of your, I guess, um, yeah, challenges in terms of building your family, and you know, where, where you
1: are now. Yeah. So um, we got married when I was, I think, I was 31, and um, you know, the same as most couples, you you stop taking a contraception. Like, okay, I'll have a baby now. And then you realize that, no, it's actually not that simple. And um, mm-hmm. Mother Nature can actually be a real bitch about it. And I was like, geez. And I found out that I had all these fertility struggles and went through, you know, all these different doctors, spent years going to one doctor who'd say this, oh, another wow. doctor who'd say that. And everyone had a different opinion. And um, yeah, in the end, we got fed up. And um, well, I got fed up because I'm a very impatient yeah. person. Well, you want not now, um, yeah? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so we, we went to IVF and um, we're very fortunate that um, Zara was... Uh, a frozen embryo from our first cycle. Cool. Um, so we, we got two embryos from that, and Zara was the second one, so we, she was successful. And then um, we came over to Australia when I was pregnant, and um, then yeah, did another round of IVF in Melbourne. And um, Baxter was the the first um, first embryo, first like oh, successful awesome. one straight off the yeah. bat from that, which was really nice. And we were left with um, with two frozen embryos after that, and I'd always wanted three children. Um, and you know, sort of, I was—I'm such a—I'm a very sort of positive and optimistic person, and a bit of a Pollyanna, to be honest. And um, I was like, oh, so we might end up with four children. Oh well, you know. And um Harry's like, tried. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you know, after we were, we were aiming for the same sort of gap as between Zara and Baxter, which is 19 months, and we we tried one embryo and that failed, and I was I was really shocked, and I thought, you know, because I just assumed it would work. And then um, the second one. Um, worked but i lost it very early on and i I was really heartbroken by that because i'd sort of Mm. i'd pinned my hopes on you know three children i sort of just assumed with having two embryos there'd be at least one more there um so yeah we took a a, a, i said look i'm not going to do i don't know that i want to do any more ivf so we took a year out just Mm. to digest and and see where things were at and um and after that i sort of thought you know what i've got two beautiful happy healthy children they drive me insane but they're beautiful happy healthy (laughs) And, you know, and I, there was a period where I thought I might not have even had that. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to count my blessings and just leave it Mm -hmm. at that. And, um, various other sort of health things happened, which meant I had to change a lot of lifestyle stuff. And, um, after I hadn't had a period for about 10 years Mm -hmm. and because I had to change the way I was exercising and training and all the rest of it, I took a lot of pressure off my body and all of a sudden I got my period back. I got my fertility back. And, um, didn't really think that much of it. Still, didn't expect to get pregnant. And then um, one day, I realised we, we were at a party in New Zealand, a 40th. We'd been, been on this month-long bender of yeah. 40th. I yeah. went, no, "Oh gosh, no. oh, my period's late!" And uh, yeah, took a test the next day. And sure enough, we had this surprise wow. third baby that I'd never expected. Well, that's such a um, it's a it's a really wonderful story, and
0: I think. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but my business partners and I, the three of us, we all went through IVF for um, mm. so, so various different reasons. And um, I kind of like you, you know, had IVF and it was, it was a bit of a surprise to me not being as fertile as my doctor called it. You're not a fertile person, mm. but who mm. wants to be one of those? Um, yeah. And it did take me, um, I was caught off guard and I was, you know, I got the twins, felt super lucky, didn't actually want the third child and oops, the daisies, she came along <laughs> on... Um, a trip to Europe last year and my friends <laughs> do secretly call her Rose. Um, but she stayed, <laughs> she seems fine. But look, going through IVF and having to kind of suffer loss through that journey, I think is mm really challenging, and there's a lot of people I know who are going through that now and have it in the past. And I guess, Katie, if you are talking to anyone who's listening who's having, I guess, fertility issues or, um, you know, are worried about kind of what their future might look like with or without children, have you got any advice for them in terms of like how you overcame
1: your challenges? Oh, I mean, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, I don't know that there's a way to overcome, because if, you know, if is something that you want, but it's, it's something you feel very deeply, and um yeah I, I do remember like feeling very sort of um and I'm not I'm not I'm not proud that I felt this way but you know like when it seemed like everyone else was getting pregnant around me like first shag get pregnant first shake and I mm. and I felt I, you know again I felt envious of that and I was happy for them but at the same time I, I felt why not me that's just not fair you know and, and it yeah. felt like such an affront to my my femininity that I you know like the one thing that a woman's body is meant to do is reproduce children and you know I wasn't physically capable of doing that Mm -hmm. so I think you probably just need to it's it's an element of being gentle with yourself I guess because Mm. it's hard to you don't just um get over that but you have to kind of you have to recognize your feelings and be okay and say yep I'm sad about this I feel upset about that I feel jealous that someone else is getting what I want and you kind of I think you have to accept those and digest them and move through them and and, Mm. and it's totally fair to feel to feel those things as well. Yeah, and I think to that point, I think,
0: um, you know, adversity is something that we all need to overcome in various stages of our life. And some people have to kind of overcome more than others, which, you know, it shocks me because often the people that you meet have suffered, you know, the most adversity and challenges, yet they're often kind of the strongest and most resilient. And I think, you know, right now, for all of Australia and I guess the world, um, we've been thrown a really challenging set of circumstances with this pandemic. Um, Mm. And I was really, I guess, not, not shocked, but I think it kind of shook me to the core, reading some statistics the other day in the paper about... Um, mental health and the increase in um, access to services. So, I think, and yep. I'm going to look at my notes to make sure I don't get it wrong, but there was like a, a 40% increase in calls for lifeline, 61% increase in calls for the kids' helpline, and 67% increase, um, to beyond blue. And that's just in Victoria compared to this time last year, so very recent. Mm. Statistics. And I think. Um, it just goes to show the last six months have been very challenging on Victorians um, more so than any anyone else and I think you know you ka. I think you're one of those people who've had a lot of challenges thrown at you and you've been very open about your IVF challenge. You also had some mental health issues of your own and having to deal with a partner who suffered from mental illness. So I think more mm. broadly, um, if there are kind of Victorians out there who are just feeling like the struggle is real and, you know, you know, what, what would your advice be or how did, who did you look to or what did you do to try and build the strength to kind of
1: get to where you are today? Oh, I think you, you have to, the first thing is acknowledging your feelings. And, you know, like if, if you, uh, you have to acknowledge however you feel because you can't move through something or move past something until you acknowledge it. And, um you know, I remember, so, you know, on, on the, on the mental health and depression and, and suicide kind of note, yeah, I, I, I lost a partner to suicide um in 2005 and, you know, it was a horrific experience and I'd seen him suffer this, awful sort of depression and I I can't imagine what it feels like to be in a space so dark where you feel like suicide is your only option Um, and so you know I'd seen him suffer through that and then you know me dealing with my feelings after that of course there was like the guilt you know Mm. that I was the one there and I could have done more but it took me a few years to be able to move past it because I, I also wasn't really willing to acknowledge the fact that I was actually really angry um because it's um yeah I was sad and I was heartbroken but I was angry because it, it had ruined my life as well but until I could say that and um sort of acknowledge it then I couldn't get past it but I think you know so you have to accept whatever you're feeling you shouldn't have to deny what you're feeling but also you know that that ability to to reach out and say to someone I'm not feeling great you know you need to build a support network around you um and I think the, the, the common discussion about our mental health and mental illness and, and so forth that we see now mm. is a really positive step because people feel less stigmatized by it. So they can say, mm. I'm not feeling great. And, and you don't have to be in a really deep depression. You can just be having you know, a mm. rough time and you just need someone to, to be there for you. And that someone isn't necessarily going to solve your problems, but it's about, you know, sort of building that support network around you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I um, had a conversation with someone the other day who I really absolutely consider a mentor and I really respect his point of view and he, he's certainly a positive person. But he was kind of talking about the way he speaks to his team in a corporate world about the pandemic and, and how people just need to rise up because it's not like the war. You know, they, the people in the war had to go to bed worrying about bombs being dropped overnight. We're not that's not our situation. And I did have to pull him up for a moment there to say, mm-hmm. Darren, for me, I, I feel like you're, you can't minimise how someone's feeling. And I'm a really no. positive person. And I feel like this is the first year I've actually had to deal with my own mental health issues. Because I've had a yeah. few days in a row. A few days strung in a row for me is a lot. Typically, I can bounce you know, back and forth a day to two days. But you know, 72 hours, four days of feeling low was a huge kind of wake-up call to me in terms of how aware and careful I should be
1: with my own mental health. So that of be my message, yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, for many of us, you know, I totally, I'm, a, I'm in a relatively privileged sort of position and mm. um, we're, we're often trained to say, oh, but, but, you know, I shouldn't complain because so many people have got it so worse off. Yes, absolutely. There is always going to be someone who has got it worse than you, always. But it doesn't mean you can't acknowledge your feelings, your reactions, your emotions. Because mm. it, it, If your life has been impacted, then you're impacted, you know, and yeah. you're allowed to acknowledge that. You don't have to shut it down just because someone else has got it worse. I mean, on
0: the COVID topic, I think we've all had some mean and fails during COVID. Um, I've definitely had too many margaritas and some online... <laughs> And Katie, I did see. Um, you may have experienced some online shopping
1: um, hits and misses, shall we call them? Yeah, look, there's been uh, there's been a lot of misses actually. Yeah. <laughs> COVID's really taken the joy out of online shopping for me, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when the shops open tomorrow I'm gonna to be there with this pile of things that I don't wanna pay money to return because I'm like, Here, these are shit. I, I cocked up, you know, these are all wrong and I'm not spending a hundred dollars on return postage fees for all these things. So I've just been stockpiling them all. But,
0: these overalls
1: do that, not look like they did on the module. They don't Yeah, look no, no So look the the overalls, um, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I wanted, I I got it into my head. See, this is what COVID does. I I was like, yeah, I really want some denim overalls. I don't know why I wanted denim overalls, but I decided I did. And I found this random Chinese website, got sucked in by the pictures, which are never of the actual product. (laughs) Ordered them in excitement and they turned up. And shock horror, they were nothing like the picture. (laughs) You know, it looked like someone who had just like escaped from the farm or or, 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 like got out of prison. We all gonna come down our house for some moonshine.
0: <laughs> what is it about overalls that are so appealing to look at but when you try them on, they just never deliver? Well, for me, they don't. I thought I would put no. and, as a pregnant person. Like what was I yeah, thinking? Yeah,
1: no. And I, I feel like as a 40 year old woman, I need to draw the line under overalls. I, I'm just, I've missed it. I've No, they're not for me anymore
0: and yeah, maybe you can get the enjoyment out of one of your daughters wearing them at yeah,
1: for yeah, the kids and dungarees
0: um, and so we've spoken a lot about i guess um where we've drawn resilience from where you've drawn your inspiration from to overcome challenges um and i think you know we're a business happy collective about women supporting women so i'd love to hear from mm. you through your life um who, who's inspired you or who, who, do, you, who do you turn to as a, as a woman to kind of help guide you through challenges or to inspire you to achieve more?
1: Uh, I think, you know, my main person, and, and I think it's probably the same with a lot of women, my mum, you know, like, she's always my biggest cheerleader. She's like this big, bold, wonderful personality. And she's kind of, you know, she's, she's got to that stage in life where she, she owns who she is. She does not give a fuck if people don't like her. You know, like, and um, I think that's a really comfortable position to be in. It's something we can all aspire to, you know, to get to that stage where you, you go, you know, this is me and, and you don't have to like me and uh, and that's totally fine. You know, I'm not going to change myself for you, but anyway, she's always been, you know, my biggest supporter. I'll, I'll say something like come up with some stupid ridiculous idea. And she'll say, yes, why not? You know, like when we were getting, she used to, she used to decorate cakes when we were getting married. I said, I, th- I think I have a two-tier cake, mum. Can you make me a two-tier cake? And she says, oh, why not three, you know, like, she's always just like, the, she's so positive, and, and so yes, and so, you know, like, for the, the cookbook, for example, when I was talking about that, she was like, yes, 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 and I was saying, oh, you know, I need to, it's going to cost this much, and she was like, we'll loan we'll you the money, I was like, well, but mama, you know, I have, to, I have to make the money back to pay you back, she was like, I believe you will, you know, and I've got faith in you, and, and then I, and I, I said to her, can, um, can you send out my New Zealand orders, and she was like, yes, of course, you know, and, and then she doesn't realize that that's, spending, you know, several days stuck in an office bubble wrapping six hundred books and um, but she's just, yeah, always there's this it's not it's not why you shouldn't, it's why not. Why would you not do that? Just do it, you know, just try. So let's see what will happen. Um so she's probably been that sort of force throughout my life. But um I've also got some really wonderful supportive girlfriends and, you know, there are people who make things happen as well, you know, like you need someone to, to take your kids so you can do a photo shoot or to do the school drop off or help out. And I've got so many, I've got this wonderful network of friends who are always willing to to drop things and help out. And I think that's especially important when I live in Australia and my family's from New Zealand. So I don't have the family network here. Um, So these wonderful girlfriends who you just sort of, you really, really come to rely on.
0: Isn't that amazing? And I think um, it's been quite remarkable watching kind of the women in our community. Because, you know, for those people listening, Katie and I both live in the Bayside area. Um, We don't have the same kind of group of friends, but it's in a very similar network. And just watching how we've all managed to stay connected and even Mm. build new friends because you've got your five kilometer radius. And I feel like you're forced to almost. Um, expand your network within the area that you live. So have you made any kind of um, new, new friends or is there anything that you've done a little differently during lockdown to keep yourself connected?
1: Yeah, I've actually made some new like friends through social media. Probably those people I've forced myself upon and I, okay, we're friends now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess because we've been stuck at home and I've been spending a lot more time on screens and on socials and through Instagram. and you know, I know people feel like social media can be a very destructive force, but I have always found so much good in it. Like, you know, the people who are in my sort of following, I would say 99.9% of that has been positive experiences. they're fun, supportive, friendly people. And, and I sort of have found other sort of like-minded people online. and And you start reaching out and sending messages and having this back and forth conversation, all of a sudden it feels like you know someone that you may never have met in real life. But some of those people have actually been from this area. So I'm looking forward to like, you know, now we're allowed out again. I'm going to turn up on someone's doorstep and go, hi, it's me,
0: we're friends now. (laughs) I I love that. And I completely agree. I actually um, had the pleasure of being on a podcast recently through kind of another friend who'd been on her podcast and she'd seen me on her Instagram and, um, you know, she lives only 10 kilometres away. So I can now see her that we're allowed 25 kilometres. Um, yeah. Her name's Cassandra and she has this gorgeous podcast called kind of Blossom. And she asked me this question that really threw me off guard um, around, you know, would, would there be a kind of a point in time that i look back on and change? Um, and I'm going to steal that kind of question with with, with pride because it really made me, made me think. And so what I'm going to ask you, Katie, is not only, like, is there a moment in time that you might look back on and if you had the power to change it, would you and could you and why? Um, and is there perhaps an amazing woman um, in history who you would like to meet if you could?
1: Oh, I mean, the, the whole, you know, changing moment in time, it's such, a, it's such a big, loaded question because there's been so many... Massive world events that have been absolutely horrific, mm. and you know, h- how do you choose one of those to rectify? Um, but also, I kind of like to think that, as a, as you know, humanity as a population, that we've learned some lessons and grown from from those horrible, horrible things, so that we'll never repeat them again. Um, so I, honestly, I, do, I don't think I could change, you know, one particular thing. I mean, you know, quite selfishly, I would, I would wish this year away, this whole COVID thing, because you know, if, if you told me this time last year that this would happen it this this year has been like a sci-fi you know like i would never never have believed it but you know in the end we've survived it'll been fine but no I, I couldn't change like i don't think i could change one world event because it's too much and and it's all that butterfly effect because if you change that thing then what happens to that and you know i just yeah i hope we've learned i hope we've all learned things from them
0: i think that's a really fair um fair response i i, I didn't quite know what to say, but it was. I was. I felt lucky enough to have watched a documentary about Hillary Clinton the night before. Yes. So I I've got it. Yes. I
1: wish ah. I the election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Look, that's fair, and, and I wish I thought of that because he has done nothing good for the world. He's done nothing. Um, and who,
0: who knows what um, the state of affairs would be? And look, I think you know, drawing kind of this discussion to a bit of a conclusion with all of this kind of. Um, adversity with all the resilience that we as women and that you've had to face and overcome, Katie, what I feel from you and the vibe that I get from you is overall positivity, um, a real kind of um, desire to be connected to people and, mm. and, ha- and happy. And so I'd love to kind of understand what what's your kind of definition of happy or what makes you happy? Because um, I think it's a very interesting term because it's not simplistic
1: in any kind of stretch of the imagination no I think when it comes down to it um I am happy you know it's the people that I live that I are in my life that make me happy I think you know I I draw joy from other people from seeing my friends and my family happy you know like and and being around those people you know that that whole thing like a, a sense of happiness and and joy and laughter is infectious and if you're around that it just is that you can't, it, it bubbles up and it comes out and it makes you feel so good, you know, like that. When, when you get one of those laughs, it makes you throw your head back and just let go. You know, that, that feeling is the most wonderful feeling and, and you get that from the people around you. I mean, you have to sort of do things for yourself, of course, to, to create happiness within yourself as well. You know, like I'm, I'm good at um, carving out time for myself so I can be a better person for my family. And I'll get up and do my exercise. I'll make that time for myself. Or I'll, you know, I'll say to my husband, I need some time out to spend away from this um, so I can come back and not be shitty and short-tempered, you know. But, um, yeah, you have to be a little bit self-aware and thinking, how am I feel, feeling within myself? What do I need to feel better um, as well, you know? So you've got to kind of manage your own emotions and, and um, your own situation and take responsibility for that too.
0: I just love that because I think it's all – you know, it's in our power. So I think the way that you define it um, and what I've heard you saying is that, you know, we have kind of the power to make ourselves happy but you need to know yourself. Um, but it won't be exercise for everybody and it won't be kind of no. alone time. But I think understanding, you know, what makes you frustrated and finding a solution to then counterbalance that mm, help mm. people um, create their own sense of happiness and self. I love it.
1: Yeah, I think, again, it's that acknowledging how you're feeling, you know. As, as as mothers, we're often trained to put ourselves way down the down down the down the rungs of the ladder, but to, to realize that you're as important as everyone else. Because if you're not okay, then you can't be okay for them, and then no one's okay.
0: Yeah, well, look, I love that, Katie. And, and once again, thanks for carving out time again. <laughs> For, um, My hopefully it's a it's a little more insightful than um, the off cut of our one from a few weeks ago which is a, <laughs> a whole lot of laughs but um not not a lot of content maybe one day we'll, we'll show that just the shits and giggles but um <laughs> for now i'll let you kind of head back to your um hopefully asleep family and uh, maybe a bit of tv and um happy vibes thanks for the chat